Hello, everyone. I'm Paige Smith with After School, a podcast project from Simon Fraser University's Faculty of Communication, Art, and Technology. After School showcases FCAT alumni in traditional and unconventional career paths across communications, interactive art and technology, contemporary arts, publishing, and digital media. We would like to respectfully acknowledge the Musqueam, Squamish, Tsleil-Waututh, Katsi, Coquitlam, Kakat, Kwantlen, Semiama, and Tawasin peoples whose unceded traditional territories our three campuses reside. In today's episode of After School, our student host, Ethan Ukrainitz of SFU's School of Contemporary Arts, talks with filmmaker Gloria Mercer. They chat about her creative process and the transition from film student at SFU to producing small-budget films professionally in the Lower Mainland. As an emerging filmmaker himself, Ethan asks pressing questions every early career artist has, such as how to maintain your artistic vision while making a living, or what exactly a professional film production involves. This is a great episode to listen to for any aspiring or early career artist. I hope you enjoy. Hi, Gloria. Why don't you just introduce yourself and <laughs> say one to two things you've been working on? Okay, I'll do my best. Hello, my name's Gloria Mercer. I'm a filmmaker. I'm here on unceded Coast Salish territory, including Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh in so-called Vancouver. I'm a graduate of the SFU undergraduate film program, where I majored in film and minored in gender, sexuality, and women's studies. I'm also a recent alumna of the Women in the Director's Chair Career Advancement Module. In the last few years, I've been making short films. So my short film, Hecademia, was supported by the Canada Council for the Arts and the National Film Board of Canada, and recently was nominated for two Leo Award nominations, and also is streaming on CBC Gem. And I just made the short film Smoke Eater, which was one of only three films to be selected for the 2021 Harold Greenberg Shorts to Features grant. That's very exciting. I also, <laughs> for me. That's very excited. <laughs> Very excited. And right now I'm also working on getting off the ground the feature version of my film A Safe Distance, which right now has Canada Council funding and is in development. And that's me. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> yeah. It's so it's so good to have you here. I was just about to do the it's so good to have you here. Oh, it's so good to be here. <laughs> so diving right in just to the first question here, it's kind of a bigger one. Uh-oh. What would you say is your favorite part about your film work? The process of directing. Okay. Well, I should also say, as is the case with a lot of SFU film students turned indie filmmakers or turned professional filmmakers, I tend to wear a lot of hats. Some of that is necessity and some of it is just because it's really fun. Sometimes it's very hard, but sometimes it's fun. So, I mean, my favorite part of the process as a director is it's hard to articulate. I love... <laughs> second day of shooting like if you were to get really specific mm. that moment when you finish prep which prep is so hard although there's really rewarding parts of course and you're like on set and you realize all the little pieces brought together I don't know it's just like that that magic of film is such a big endeavor and there's so many departments at work and as a director so often when you're preparing you're really in the thick of it and you're answering questions as they come and you don't see this overarching picture and then when you get to set and you've maybe had a moment to like do a couple takes and have a coffee and like you're there and you're having a good time, it really sinks in how magical it is that so many people have come together and made this thing. And so 
the nice thing about it is that moment often happens like repeatedly throughout the process, seeing everything come together. But as soon as prep is done, <laughs> I guess it's like my yeah. long story. Yeah, it's all about like you prep start is- to see the whole collection that you guys are working together. Yeah. Like a, like as a machine almost. Yeah, I, I, I get that. There's so many people involved and there's so many little pieces and they're all important and the details are really what I, I love the little details of stories. It's very rewarding. Do you ever feel overwhelmed having so many hats to wear? <laughs> yeah, well, I guess more about that. The last couple shorts, so Hecademia, I wrote it and I directed it and I produced it. And then I also edited it. That was hard. And then in more recent projects with my partner, Aiden West, he tends to write them and then we co-produce and I direct. And I also usually end up editing them. So the question, is it overwhelming? Yes. Because <laughs> I think the thing that becomes more overwhelming too is when you're making no budget projects and you end up doing things like if you want to find really good locations, for example, like you're going to be the one probably doing that research and doing the scouting. You don't have the luxury of like a big team pulling those things together for you and presenting those options. I mean, locations is a great example because I think they're often neglected and like, it's so fun to get great locations. And frankly, with low budget projects, yeah, you don't have the resources to just rent them you have to put in the work and write those letters and say like could we please film here like what would it take and then if that doesn't work keep doing it so it can be really overwhelming to do all that stuff but luckily I've got some really really good collaborators they take take the pressure off yeah I would make it worth it they well they make it worth it and they also just they just do a lot of work they just help a lot yeah. so <laughs> Just physical labor or emotional, all sorts. For all the hats that you're wearing, they're also wearing so oh. many hats as well. Yeah, yeah. You could start a hat shop. It's like, it's a lot of hats. Is Garcia back? She's, yeah, she's back. My cat's playing with a toy on the ground. Sorry. She's like really getting into it. She can always tell when I have something I have to do that requires recording audio. Anyway. Style. Would you say that you have a specific style or is it changing from project to project? That's a really good question. And yeah, I would say to answer this question, I would almost talk about like my own trajectory as a director a little bit and like what what drew me to it. And then we talk about style because of course there's aesthetic style and then there's other thematic, you could argue. So when I first went to SFU, I didn't actually think I really wanted to direct. And of course, like the SFU film program is very... I mean, you get to try everything, which is great, but you direct a lot of your own projects. So I was not forced, but I wanted to try it, but I liked editing. uh, And I thought like, this is going to be the thing I do for a number of reasons. I didn't see myself as a director. And I also, I didn't want to work with actors. (laughs) I was like, that'll be too Mm -hmm, hard. mm -hmm. I won't be good at that. It, It won't be fun. And so since then, I feel like making my grad project at SFU, which was called Bombing, and which was about a stand-up comedian who had uh, sort of a strained relationship with her daughter. It had some festival success. It screened at Whistler Film Festival and others. Mm. When I made that project, that was like my first film where I was like, oh, this actually feels like good. <laughs> and I like, and, and like sort of like I get, I get the thing I want to do. That was a really character-based film. And I just found the relationship, the mother-daughter relationship really interesting it it focused on those things and I will speak frankly and say at the time I didn't spend a lot of time thinking about camera I was really shooting in a way that was sort of serviceable and servicing the characters and my DOP was amazing Katrina Tatras it was sort of through making it it kind of was like a bell like 
oh, I need to think about this a little more than I am because I'm, you know, it's sort of defaulting to shot reverse shot because I, as much as it feels like I've made a number of films, it also isn't that many. I made Bombing and then I made All Happened Before, which was in 2018, and that was on 16 millimeter, and that was a very fun experiment with T.O.P. Suzanne Friesen. All this to say, I approach filmmaking from character and tone in a broader sense. And then the the most fun thing lately has been talking with my regular collaborator, Devin Scott. And he's sort of the wizard behind, like, we have these discussions about the story. And, and he's really great at asking me questions about, like, trying to choose that style. And it has been a luxury, sort of just being a bit of a chameleon from project to project. So Hecademia was, like, very, like, static and, like, very isolated frames and then a safe distance was a very weird roving camera that moves slowly through the woods and then smoke eater was all about like throwing the camera on a dolly and like emulating that 1970s kind of I mean it's a very broad statement but kind of trying to look at directors like a little bit of Robert Altman and a little bit of like I mean his cinematographer Gordon Willis who obviously is a very popular cinematographer is <laughs> a big big reference and so so I guess all that to say like my own style is generally I tend to go for films that are character-based and also are more specifically like focusing on women representations of women that are flawed and and trying to ask more questions than answer and, and kind of get a little bit messy with character and then style I don't know seems to follow a story so far but I have yeah, I should <laughs> I should have a better analysis of my work and maybe be like, you know, I love I love two shots. <laughs> well, that's, that's the thing. I don't think Yeah, I don't I don't think you have to have that in order to make film or productions. I definitely mm-hmm. don't have that right now. But it is interesting to look back and just see, okay, there's kind of a thread between all of these, like you were saying, to tell stories about women with flaws and structure the story around that. And I think that's that's really all you need to like start. I like to say that I am trying to like cl- complicate the idea of a strong female character by making films about women who are yeah flawed but strong in other ways, even if they are maybe not making great decisions necessarily. You know what I mean? Like I, I think those characters and those stories are very fun. It's like the other part of the flawed male character that I've seen so much, especially films that I feel like film students talk about a lot. They all have like really flawed male characters where you're like, well, this person's the hero, but also I wouldn't, I wouldn't look up to this person kind of deal. Well, I mean, it's great. I wouldn't even call it an anti-hero, but like, like I love films about (laughs) male characters like that. But when I made Bombing, I was like, I want to make a, like a deadbeat mom movie because I feel like there's so many deadbeat dad movies. I don't like movies for myself. You know, there are lots of good films out there, but making films that feel prescriptive and kind of feel like they're telling you how to feel. Like, I just, I prefer it if it's a little messy and you can kind of draw your own conclusions and maybe it's not a very good path to get there. So you touched on it a little bit. How do the films that you make work to, I guess, expand or change these topics that you discuss, like these flawed female characters? And you're talking a little bit like you hope to expand this representation, but also tell a different story? <laughs> it's a good question. I mean, also, I think there's such a big conversation to be had about like, how art can change the world and stuff like that, which 
sometimes I struggle with because I like making really small movies. You know, another one of those magical movie moments is when you can tell a story that, you know, makes someone, I mean, it's going to sound cliche, but makes someone feel seen in some way. And even if it's not in a literal sense, even if it's just like, (laughs) you know, like identifying with that particular like moment of frustration a character has, it's something that's like a really, maybe a universal experience or maybe an experience, not universal, but you know, unique to a certain set of people, right? But but still, like, relatable. So films I like most are films that kind of, like, they feel real and they just touch on these, like, very real small moments. I tend to explore kind of, like, macro-emotional stuff a lot of the time. So, you know, these little interactions with people. So I all that to say, just, I don't know if my films are going to change the world, but I really, I, I hope that they are, they challenge the way some people think about things. And I hope that, in you know for some viewers they they might feel seen in in these little character moments that otherwise might be unexplored in other films definitely yeah no I totally relate that where it's like yeah I don't know if if what I'm doing right now will like change the world but I I feel like this is something that a lot of people can connect with yes I mean I should be making more movies about climate change probably but, you know oh is that is that something that that you're thinking about <laughs> not at all but like i mean I, I, it's one of those things like i respect it when other people do it and i just can't i, I haven't done it so far but you know it's this constant struggle of like making character-based films about like interrelationship like whether it's like romantic or whatever movies is you're like you should also talk about how the world is ending and that kind of thing well you know it's funny because i say this but that academia actually was kind of about climate change which i'm oh, really? sorry <laughs> yeah yeah but it does it in a way it's very like off to the side i think that there's all sorts of different types of art and that's lovely and i mean i think you can make films about real world problems that aren't prescriptive and also you can make them and they are for me i think like i'm just drawn to I don't know, I tend to be drawn to small stories, but I'm very ready to try anything. Like if I, you know, if I found inspiration in like a sort of a more like large big world problem story, like mm-hmm. no, no, let's, let's take something it that really struck you. Well, let's try it. But well, me, I mean, yeah. it's all very compelling. It's just like I find as a director, well, as a writer and a director, you, you have to pick and choose what really resonates with you on a specific story level, not even just on a big thematic level. And then you know, because nobody has time to make a hundred movies a year. Well, some people probably do, but <laughs> some people, some people do. I don't know if they make them very well. <laughs> I bet somebody does. When did you graduate from SFU? And do you have any specific memories from when you were there? <laughs> oh gosh. Okay. Well, so I finished the SFU film program in 2016, finished at SFU slightly later at 2017. And I have so many memories. I I really enjoyed my time at SFU. I met so many of the collaborators and just friends I have now, which is great. And I think it's one of the best things about that program is you just form these really close relationships with the people you work with. For example, like my partner and frequent collaborator, Aiden West, he and I met uh, at SFU and he has written the last two shorts that I've directed and we've produced them together. Devin Scott is also of SFU and he shot the last three films I made. There's more. I mean, Andy Wong was a producer on Academia. He's wonderful. He, you should have him on the podcast. He's really great. He, I'm sure he actually has his own podcast, but you could do really? like a, you oh, know, a, a dual podcast. His podcast is called BIPOC Credits. They interview like 
BIPOC members of the Vancouver filmmaking community. More so, like, it's kind of industry-focused. He's wonderful. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I'll check it out. Yeah, you should. And, like, uh, Carly Southern also was the production designer on Smoke Eater, which, and she, she and I are great friends. And on that level, like, there's so many people I met there who we worked on one another's films when we were in school. I did many days as like a grip or like a camera assistant Mm -hmm. stuff when I was in film school and now we still work together in some capacity or just hang out you know that's important too uh yeah uh the things I mean well not anymore (laughs) so that's great and I think that's one of the best things about the SFU film program is just how much collaboration it affords you and, and the opportunities it affords you are really lovely I don't know I have like other specific memories that are great like I had a couple of teachers there that I really really liked so I liked all of them <laughs> they're all good I really like Rob Gronobor a wonderful wonderful professor I think he's moved on from SFU but he's lovely so he taught a class mm. yeah it was really great being in class with him I also I really <laughs> I'm just gonna name drop him because I liked him Scott Weber had like a really good directing actors course the whole actress thing was like a huge barrier to me of like mm. I was I was really intimidated by the process of just literally working with actors because I was not a theater kid so mm. the whole process mystified me and he had this great class that really demystified it and it made me feel like hey there's actually things about this that I really enjoy and so that was great so many memories of just being on film sets I do not remember being in class although I know I was in class quite a lot but also like so many grad films by the time I got to my fourth year I think we had the class of like 13 people like it wasn't that many people we all make each other's films right and that's like a very small film crew and of course the other years help you so it's like you have a film set that, you know, maybe half your year plus like a handful of second years, third years. And it, it's just like, <laughs> I have memories of like night shoots and like being in the rain and like getting home at like four in the morning and stuff like that. And I don't know, it's just very fun. It's a very fun way to go to school. It feels like an adventure. So that was my big draw, honestly, to the SFU program is mm-hmm. just that they have like such a tightly knit cohort that does films. I mean, I don't know how much it's changed in the last few years, but it that was one of the things you got to make a lot of films, you know, hmm. in your time there and you, you get to do four years. And also in my year, we were one of the last years or the last year to shoot on film for part of oh, it. Oh, yeah. that was uh, you guys. So, okay. Yeah, I hope we didn't like burn that bridge. But <laughs> but we we shot on film for our first year shorts, which were very experimental. And it was very hmm. like, process-based necessarily but like it was a lot of learning in a new sense so there was that and then in second year you shot something as a group on film which is like hilariously maybe failed experiment because we were trying to make like a 20 person group project basically but it was that that was like a trust exercise and then uh, wow (laughs) and then we also shot on digital that year and we kind of continued in in digital that drew me to sfu but also like you know it does feel like everybody's very tight-knit and you just like i see people come out of that school and this was my experience where you really do just have these long-lasting relationships and it's good Mm. how did you get from like graduating sfu to where you're at now professionally well So like many artists, I have sort of split my time between directing when I can and also having a day job. But when I finished school, I ended up kind of gravitating towards post-production. 
I did like dailies for a while, which is not a fun job. You work at night and you're doing like the kind of the grunt work of post-production. So I could tell you, I didn't do it for that long, but it's like you sync sound and you like transcode footage and then it's all, and then you send it to the editorial department and they work on it in the morning. I know it's very glamorous. And then I got into assistant editing and, and that's a lot of what I do now still. The industry side is great. I think that there is definitely a divide between indie films and industry films and I think like there's a divide in the approaches to how you make them and lots of different things like I mean like budget level obviously but I think like being in the industry for a few years has really helped me pick up practices that work yeah it's been really informative and so since finishing school you know, we got a grant for Hecademia from the Canada Council for the Arts. And we also got the National Film Board of Canada has the Filmmakers Assistance Program. And then Aiden and I got the Harold Greenberg Fund grant. Um, and then we also got a Canada Council grant for a film we haven't made yet that is now partially funded. But I'm not trying to just repeat myself about getting grants. I'm just trying to say, like, doing industry work, I think, is good because it, it get, for me, it gave me a really realistic sense of scope of projects it gives you a better sense of yeah I guess how bigger projects get off the ground and and you quickly I think the way I made films in film school was not very sustainable because you need to like do things like track how much money you've spent and just little Mm. things like that because filmmaking is really expensive and so I think like there's a lot of grants out there and Mm. I think it's like I was very intimidated by them for a long time and would do things like do half of a grant application then like the deadline would approach and I would just not submit it I'd be like it's too scary I don't know why but getting over that hump and like you know starting to work with other people who were making funded shorts was like somewhere along the way it happened and I don't know the goal is to get paid for your work (laughs) to not go into debt making movies right I guess I didn't realize at first that you were doing both industry work and your own like indie yeah, work yeah. at the same time huh. well to be realistic you know a lot of oh sorry i'm my cat what i was gonna say is <laughs> to be realistic like you know you have to find that work-life balance because like even if you were to make only grant funded films like so much of that is doing the grant writing which is a job unto mm. itself so it, for me, it's been a balance of trying to, yeah, take time off from working in the industry to make my own projects and then kind of go back to it. But I, I've really enjoyed working in the industry because, like I said, it's it's taught me a lot. It's made me more realistic about the process mm. and also kind of see when you are submitting a grant, you can kind of see, like, what do they want from a filmmaker? Like, you have to be able to actually make the movie, right? And that's such a big thing <laughs> <laughs> granted a lot of the time. So, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, you got to be able to have the the money in order to make your own stuff too. Yeah. The first time I realized that it's like, oh, well, maybe I can't just make all the movies that I want to make <laughs> and have that work out was when I realized big directors don't even do that sometimes. Like they'll do a movie that they don't want to do and then a movie, they'll get their own movie because now they have enough money. But yeah, I guess I never really brought that down to the smaller scale where I guess it makes much more sense, a lot more practical. Well, the thing that also, I mean, is like a really important detail is I, for the last three projects, have been really trying to take the approach of, this is going to sound so rudimentary, but like paying my collaborators. So Mm. I 
like even if it is a low budget like indie rate i think at a certain point unfortunately <laughs> you wear out your sort of like your favors <laughs> you can ask like you can only ask your friends to help you move so many times filmmaking is such hard work and it, it's time consuming and so you really need people to show up for you know like two days or four days or five days in a row if for shorts obviously not for features i was like i can't keep asking people to volunteer right and I want to try to bring a level of professionalism to my sets even if it is on an indie level so all that to say you can't you know that's expensive (laughs) it's like something you need additional funding for yeah I don't know but I wish like I always say directing is a really expensive hobby because it's it is but I wish we could all make as many movies as we wanted to (laughs) that's the dream right yes it is where do we get that money though yeah the government what I've been told <laughs> and possibly you know, private corporations sometimes. Have you ever thought about your relationship between your art and its commercial value? Yes, I have. I don't think I think about it enough, but, but I, I have thought about, yeah. I mean, I try to, I don't know. I, it's one of those things like I, this is probably naive, but I think if a story is compelling, I, I don't know. I mean, the film I like to watch is, it's a little weird and it's not necessarily what you would call commercial, but I love mm. it. There's obviously a market for it, right? Like there's a market for independent mm-hmm. film. Is that market growing? I don't know. Yeah. I hope so. I, it seems like maybe it's shrinking because I don't want to make the Avengers. But they've got that going. They're, they're doing that already without me. <laughs> but I, I think like lots of us people they, they're drawn to kind of that like indie cinema that can be made at a lower level and i hope the market for that sticks around right like i think people like it it doesn't go away yeah i i personally think that that stuff is actually growing and like indie developers are getting more chances but of course that that might just be my view of things no but, i'm i'm yeah. choosing to believe you because <laughs> because that's how you'll keep going yeah that's what's gonna keep <laughs> I didn't mean to poke at any soft spot there. No, okay, I'm, I'm chugging along. It's good. Do you have any things that you tell students right now who are in the program or are looking to be in the program? Any wisdom that you'd give them? Stuff that you learn or maybe stuff that you regret? or something? <laughs> okay, well... There's so many things for current students. This is like so silly, but like my stock advice I give like to literal SFU students this is very, very specific to only that and nobody else. Just kidding. So I think don't be afraid if you're a film student, don't be afraid to do pickups. <laughs> it's like such a silly thing, but like additional shooting, basically, I feel like when you shoot a movie and you get it in the can and you've got it and you watch your footage and you cut it together and you're like, oh, this is working pretty good. And then you go but it seems like it's missing like a scene or, you know, like it seems like this scene needs to be reshot and you have people watch it and they agree with you. And there is just this, like, I don't know what to call it, but it's like, it's easy to freeze and just be like, well, that would be very hard. And I just always tell people like, get past it, you know, get past that feeling. Cause don't let your own like self-consciousness about the art you've created, like stop you from making it better. Right. Kick yourself in the butt and like, go get the additional, you know, shooting days you need. If, if you know, if you can get them. I saw a lot of people kind of freeze and I almost did too. And then I, we ended up doing a couple more rounds of shooting for bombing. And I, I really think it helped it. No, so that's one very practical 
it's not doesn't really translate to you know other stuff the nice thing about sfu and if whether you're a current student or whether you're applying is just it does afford you the opportunity like i said to try other departments and for myself i know if i hadn't gone to sfu and i hadn't gotten to or rather like been forced to direct two experimental shorts in first year and then other like two kind of weird shorts in third year i feel like it took me that many movies before on like my fifth one i was like okay this one is like i actually feel like i could be a director this is really cheesy but jump out of your comfort zone and try whether it's like other departments or like Hmm. try movies you you wouldn't have made like i just thought that was really bad i guess a few is a good space for that yeah, I thought so. You got to be on other people's sets. I mean, I don't know how it works in the pandemic these days, but like it was really valuable for me, like assisting on other people's shoots and being not even in key roles. I was a grunt. I was a grip. I was like an AC. I was, I'm really bad at boom upping because I have no upper body strength. So my arms, <laughs> arms get really tired really fast. I don't think anybody would say that they're 100% great at well, boom upping, well, especially the- for a really long indie shoot. The secret is I'm lazy then because I like, I like the positions where you can like rest your arms more often. I felt like those were the most valuable times when I could get out and help other people because it really did. That's making me sound like I'm like, oh, I, I help so many people. But we all did, right? Like, And it kind of took me out of your shell and getting to know other people before you went and did it. But it was very rewarding when it started happening. Yeah, I've definitely seen that in my year too, where there's just an atmosphere of like, yeah, I'll help you. You help me. I'll scratch your back if you scratch mine kind of deal. <laughs> well, yeah. And everybody's the better for it. I mean, filmmaking, it happens. You can have a two-person crew or you can have like a hundred-person crew, but almost 100% it is a collaborative medium. It's such an easy way to learn more too is to see, because to this day, still like work with people and I go like, oh, I wouldn't have done it that way, but that's really interesting. And I have my own way of doing it and it works. And sometimes you like say like, oh, let's try something new. Well, Gloria... It's been so good having you. Where could we find your work? I started a production company where I could kind of put all my work under one label. And that is called, and I'm going to spell it out for you because evidently I'm very bad at marketing. It's called Seahorse Films, but it's S-E-E as in I see you. So Seahorse Films. Like you see a horse. Yeah, exactly. Like Seahorse. Awesome. (laughs) Oh yeah. Or you're, yeah. Seahorse. It's a very versatile name. And that is on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Seahorse Films. And I also am on social media as at Dr. Gloria. (laughs) I try to tweet the film stuff and, you know, Instagram the film stuff through Seahorse Films. And we've been leading up to the Smoke Eater eventual release, which hopefully we're hoping for a fall premiere for this latest short. And so we've been trying to do some you know, sharing a little bit about the process of making the film. Some promo stuff. I will be sharing a trailer in the next month or so and, and the poster and that kind of stuff as as we get closer to sharing it with the world eventually, even though with all things film, everything is a very protracted process. It takes a lot of time. So, <laughs> but, you know, if you, if you follow us, then be along for the ride. Awesome. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you for having me. After School is a podcast project from Simon Fraser University's Faculty of Communication, Art, and Technology. This has been our conversation with Gloria Mercer, hosted by Ethan Ukrainitz. The After School podcast is created by Tessa Arsenault, Emma Keeler-Duga, 
Stacy Coplin, myself, Paige Smith, and each of our student hosts. You can learn more about SFU's Faculty of Communication, Art, and Technology at our website, sfu.ca slash fcat. And you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn with our handle fcat at SFU. That's fcat at SFU. You can learn more about SFU School for Contemporary Arts at sfu.ca slash sca and follow them on Facebook and Instagram at SFU Contemporary Arts. Next time on After School, we'll be hosting a conversation with Adam Brayford, an SFU communications graduate who now works as the Director of Global Internal Communications for Staff Base. See you next time.